This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together in the house this morning and uh, recite... I've tried for 15 years to get these people to be this loud in church. (laughs) You never know what it takes. Anyway, so those of you standing and yelling here, recite together with me. And those of all who are still at home and watching online, let's recite together the, the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ. His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you again with us this morning. Uh, Before we go any further, we're going to take our virtual offering. Uh, I have to say, I keep reading of how churches all across America have been taking huge financial hits. Some are in great financial straits. Others may not survive at all because of what has been happening over the last two months. Uh, To my great delight and admittedly a little surprise, (laughs) our church hasn't skipped a beat. It has been strong the entire time. The truth is the offerings have been a little higher than normal. We're not talking big money here, but we're talking a little higher than normal. And while everybody is like, they're saying, really? I go, yeah, what are you doing? I have no idea. You know, but uh, anyway, so thanks to all of you who have continued to be faithful. I think it's an incredible testimony as to the commitment that our church family has to this place. So for those of you watching online or those of you here, we're not going to pass any buckets and stuff. Just grab your phone, uh, unless you've already done it where it's done automatically, recurrent giving, which is what we would really love for everybody to do, and just send a text. The text number you're going to send the number to is this number, 77977. That's the number you're texting to. And in the message area, you're going to put CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church Wisconsin, and then put in the amount. Boom, you're done. Uh, If it's the first time you do it, you have to kind of set up 
with your information. But once you've done it, then it just, that's all you do. You have CCWI, the amount, send, you're done. It automatically happens. So, or if you're watching online, you can go and click the buttons online. So that you can donate that way and continue to be faithful. And all of you who watch, there are thousands of people who watch and all over the country and stuff, even around the world. Um, if this, a lot of people consider this their church around the country. Uh, and even around the world, this is the church. If the, you consider this your church, this is the place you tune in to get blessed and encouraged in your faith, you need to give. Well, I'm not there on the offering. <laughs> you don't need to be here for a bucket. Just go online and give. We're supposed to bless those who feed us spiritually. So if you're going to be part of this family, be part of the family. Don't be a slacker and just sit around and take in, take in, and take in, and don't give anything back. So make sure that you give and listen to me. There will be great blessings to you. If there's a time in the world where you want God on your side financially, it is today. So you want to be, uh, continue to honor God and God will honor you. He'll be faithful to those who are faithful. All right? So anyway, thank you again for your financial giving uh, during this time. Uh, so anyway, here we are. We have gathered together. Uh, we opened. They say, why did you open so quickly? Well, just because we could. Yeah. Now, we, we live in a very polarized time in our nation. You're on one side of it, and it doesn't matter what issue it is, man. Pick your issue. Half the people of the country seem to be on one side and the other half on the other side. That is one thing. The bad part is the one half thinks the other half is evil. And, uh, and that is problematic, but it is intense. And that's the way that uh, people are responding to each other today. Now, in all fairness, <clears throat> uh, for those of you who are staying at home and don't want to gather, uh, this is going to sound very unbalanced today because I have a, an audience clearly who thinks on the other side. <laughs> so we're not, we're not hearing you cheer when I say something in your favor. I'm just saying we're doing it because we can. Um, it's not as simple as, you know, I mean, those of, you who, those of us who, who have been against all of these uh, harsh lockdowns have looked at the other side in very evil terms, called them Nazis, fascists, communists, whatever. And those on the other side who see us all gathering say, you just want people to die. I, I don't think either side is really an accurate portrayal of the other. Uh, and we certainly don't want people to die. Uh, there are those of us on one side who, and clearly you all know where I am, I'm on that side. So what? You know, look at this church has always been about putting people together who don't agree about things. You don't have to agree. Man, there's lots of us here who don't agree about a great many things. You can be a complete right-wing psychotic person in this church, and we love you. You can be a complete left-wing wacko, and we love you. It doesn't matter. Either, they, and, and I think people would testify to that here. We've never made that a, a, a standard. Say, well, you have your opinion. Yeah, you're going to hear my opinion. It's just my opinion. I think I've always been careful to teach you what the Bible says and then what Marky thinks. There's a different thing. <laughs> right? Have I not done this? I've always done this. Now, <clears throat> personally, I think all of you should agree with what Marky thinks. I always have. But I'm well aware that not everybody thinks the way I think. My wife doesn't even agree with everything I think, which is horrifying to me. But it's just, it is what it is. Life is just the way that it is. So I'm, never, I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to be plastic or phony to you. And I'm pretty easy to read. It doesn't mean anything. I'm just telling you what I think. 
Uh, so people are on different sides of this issue, and I get it. If you are concerned about gathering together with people, continue to do what you're doing, which is staying home. And I have to say, the vast majority of people in Celebration Church this morning have stayed home. You're just hearing really loud people this morning. <laughs> it sounds like there's 2,000 in here. There's not. It would be nice, but it's not. So the, most of you are staying home. Fine. No guilt, no condemnation. We do not hate you in any way, shape, or form. It's just, it is what it is. And I hope you don't think that way towards us. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people are fearful <clears throat> that this allowing people to gather together is going to spread this disease. We shall see. Um, in other states, that has not been the case. I don't think it will happen here, but I could be wrong. I've been wrong more than once in my life. And if it gets out of hand, uh, we will deal with it. My personal opinion is I think those people are fearful, not that more people will get sick, but that it won't spread, and they're afraid of that, because then it will prove all of this has been unnecessary. That's been my personal viewpoint from the get-go. But I've just been following the rules like everybody else. And what did they say when we couldn't do it? We just kept doing it like we've been doing. I've been doing this here every Sunday for the last two months. I've had an audience <laughs> of one, and, uh, and that's fine. And uh, obviously, I like a little more feedback. But it's not going to matter. If, this, if this, nobody can be here, everybody can be here, great, fine. We're going to continue to do whatever it is that we do. Now... There has been a great deal of debate about how we should proceed, even among my staff, and there's been some tense moments because I get angry very easily, contrary to what the scriptures say. Then there's Mark, what Marky does, okay? So, uh, uh, you know, a lot of concern about, and then reading last night and this morning in the paper, churches that are opening should go very slowly and make sure they're enforcing that everyone wears masks and everyone have people that keep people separate and stuff like that. And we discussed this. Even the bishop doesn't agree with me. He doesn't agree with me on a great many things. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, uh, I said, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're just not going to do that. I refuse to do that. If you are afraid and are concerned, Stay home. Not in a nasty way, stay home. Most people have stayed home. I'm just, if you're concerned, my problem is don't feel you have to force everyone to do what you're doing. You say, well, the, the CDC recommends. Well, you know what a recommendation is? It's a recommendation. I recommend you all be in church every Sunday. I've been recommending that for 15 years. And uh, most still have not followed my recommendation. <laughs> what I have not gotten is the police to force you to do it. Although, if I had the chance, I might go on that side. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're not going to do that. Say, well, they recommend you wear a mask. I get it. I get it. Well, we need policies. We're not going to have any policies. If at this point you do not know what the rules are, you have been living under a rock in Afghanistan. 24-7. Don't get close to people, wash your hands, sneeze into your elbow, which I still don't get. I mean, I get it, I just can't do it. I have 65 years ago, you know what I'm saying? It's hard to break. And first of all, it's not like, gee, I sense a sneeze coming in the next five minutes. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of an instant thing, you know. So, do it in your elbow, 
cough in your eye, whatever. I get it. Everybody gets it. You can't go to a store without every 15 seconds them reciting over the loudspeaker, these are the rules. Stay away. Don't kill people. La la. I get it. Everybody here gets it. We don't need anybody, and we're not going to have anybody enforcing this in this church. It's just, it is what it is. And of course, they're going to cheer because they agree with me. If you are uncomfortable with that, and clearly most still are, fine. Look, it might, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if this becomes our new normal. It wouldn't at all. Where, you know, a small percent of the church gathers and the rest of them stay at home. If that's what it is, then that's what it is. Look, we're already looking at, because we have so many people who live so far away from Celebration Church, they can't even get here. Because of what has happened over the last couple of months, I thought, you know what? We need to structure this. We want to see a way of how to actually make official Celebration Church members for people who can only do it via online. Uh, so, and that's what we're going to do. And we're going to keep opening things up and getting people involved. We're going to figure out how to do that. So it wouldn't surprise me at the end of the day, 10 years from now, that the vast majority of people, uh, it'd be great if we had 8,000 people online and only 2,000 here. How cool would that be? You know, who are all still part of the church, part of what we're doing, part of the ministry of the church here. So this is, if there's one thing this has taught me, now I've been against this in the past. As you know, I've ridiculed and mocked those who've just watched on TV and at home. Uh, This has opened my eyes. Hey, this does work. People can still really connect with God, even online. So uh, we're going to continue to do that. No judgments, no hassles, uh, whatever you are comfortable with. But if people are comfortable gathering here, then let them gather and you can use your own brains uh, to figure out what the rules are or what rules you want to follow. Actually, there are no rules right now, which I say, bless the name of the Lord. <laughs> I, I have been mortified by all of this. I think this has been a massive overreach. Uh, thank God for the rule of law to have prevailed, but this could be temporary. Look, there's no way these people who love to have power are going to just quietly go off into the sunset. They're going to find another way. to, And if they do and they say we can't do it again, then we'll all be back online. We'll follow the rules. Have we not been following the rules? All right? So, anyway, that's what we're going to do. We will continue to do it. Now, theoretically, I'm supposed to preach a sermon. So, let's have a <laughs> Make it short, I guess, today. Acts, the 17th chapter, or 16th. Uh, We are still in the season of Easter, celebrating the resurrection. Today we're going to talk about sharing the resurrection. And we're going to read, uh, uh, or Apostle Paul, the book of Acts is the history of the early church. What did they do? What did they do? So uh, in Acts 17, verse 16, it says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, waiting for some of the other brothers, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Okay, now there's distressed and there's deeply distressed. He is deeply distressed. I, at times, have been distressed. The last two week, months, I've been deeply distressed. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. You just keep doing the right thing. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, everything doesn't have to be run through your filter of feelings. Oh, I can't be happy because I don't feel happy. Really? I can't do the right things because I don't feel it. Really? Look, I know it's harder to do it. I've been out of sorts for days now. Over what? I told my wife last night, there's something wrong with me. I don't, don't hug me. <laughs> I don't feel ill. I just, I don't know. I don't, maybe all this stuff is making me crazy. I don't know. All I know is that Paul was deeply distressed 
because the city was full of idols. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in an area where there are lots of idols. Those of you who have been to like Myanmar and stuff like that, they've got massive, massive uh, structures of, where people gather and worship these idols and all, you know, from a Christian worldview, it's a little creepy. Well, you can understand Paul. Paul is a Jewish guy. He's raised as a Jewish boy all his life. They, if there's one thing they have been against, it's idols. And his whole life, no one had anything to do with anything like that. Now he finds himself in one of the greatest cities in the history of mankind, the city of Athens. And there's idols everywhere. And he is not only distressed, he is deeply distressed. What does he do because he's deeply distressed? Stay home and be mad? No. Uh, Refuse to talk to anybody? No. What does he do? He continues to do what he's always done. You can keep doing life. Even when deeply distressed, somebody say amen. Amen. So what does he do? Well, we read what he does. He says, so he argued in the synagogues with the Jews. Argued, not that he was just looking for a fight. (laughs) He debated, you know, about the gospel. Everywhere he went, the first place he'd go to was the Jewish synagogues and tried to reach out to his fellow countrymen, his fellow brothers, uh, and preach the gospel there. Uh, So he argued with the Jews in the synagogue and the devout persons, people who are devout towards God. And relate to them, and also in the marketplace, and he does this every day with those who happen to be there. Paul, despite being deeply distressed, continues to do the right thing, continues to reach out to people, continues to love people in the context, whatever context he can. He starts with those who are Jewish, who really understand every, everything that he's talking about, devout people who kind of understand it, and the people who haven't a clue of what he's talking about. He, every chance he gets, He wants to share the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power of the gospel. Now, also some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, a lot of, you know, Greece is where a lot of this stuff comes from. And uh, they debated with him. And some said, well, what what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. Now, this is because he was telling the good news about Jesus and about the resurrection. Yeah, it's foreign to them. They've never heard this before. So they took him and brought him to the Arap... How do you say that? Arapagus. Arapagus. There we go. Uh, Which is still... Parts of it still standing to this day, 2,000 years later. And asked him, uh, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? So they bring him to the Arapagus, where all the brilliant minds of the day, all the philosophers people who study philosophy today. If you uh, ever took philosophy classes in school or in university, you discussed the Greek philosophers. This is where all this stuff comes from. This is, this is the heart of all of this stuff. So they bring him in because they want to discuss. Is it because they're really hungry to learn about God? Not really. Um, it, <laughs> it says here in verse 21, now all the Athenians... And the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling and hearing something new. (laughs) That's all they did. I don't know how anybody got any work done, but that was the thing. That was the culture. Everybody gathered in in Athens, in Greece, the birthplace of all these philosophers, and they just wanted to hear the latest ideas. So they heard this babbler out there in the streets talking about something they hadn't heard before, and rather than reject him, they pulled him in because they loved to discuss new ideas. That was their shtick, all right? So they bring him in. All right, buddy, tell us what you got. So then Paul stood in front of the Oropagus and said, 
Athenians. Now, remember, he is what? Deeply distressed. He's kind of ticked at all of this stuff. It's driving him crazy. And he is now on the stage of the center of paganism in the world, that in Rome. And uh, uh, here's his chance now to get up and just tell them what a bunch of filthy, rotten sinners they are. This is the chance to smack them upside the head. Does he do that? Nay, I say unto thee, nay. Look what he does. He gets up and he compliments them. I see how extremely religious you are in every way. You're very interested in things about God. For as I went through the city and I looked carefully at the objects of your worship, there's idols everywhere. He says, I found among them an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. They had so many gods that they ran out of gods and then they made an altar to an unknown God because all the names had been taken. What are we going to call this guy? All right, so let's make one to the unknown God. So Paul looks at this and says, boy, you guys are really into this stuff. You know, I did notice the altar to the unknown God. You know what? He says, um, uh, that's, that's what I want to talk to you about today, about the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So he starts a point of reference, something they could relate to, something they can understand. All right, now it's really important to understand this. Don't just be mean to people and yell at people and try and shove the Bible down people's throats. That's not what he's doing. So Paul was always quoting the Bible. He was always quoting the Bible to who? To the Jews who knew the scriptures, right? They got it. You open up your Bible and read, no, John, it says here, John 3, 16. By the way, if you quote a number of Bible verses to people, they have no idea what you're talking about. They don't know what. Now, it used to be, America used to be a very biblically literate country. It used to be people, people would understand that. It used to be that you would, you know, be able to just quote Bible verses to people and they, it would be familiar to them. And you could, that's fine. That was kind of the world that Paul did to, to uh, the Jewish uh, people, kind of like it used to be in America. Well, today it's not like that anymore. And it certainly wasn't there. And he doesn't do that to them. He's not throwing. Now, he's, ba- he's teaching them truth, as we'll see here, but he's not throwing verses at them that they don't understand. All right? So I'm going to proclaim this unknown God to you. Now, the God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made with human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and things. So he's challenging them. These is the God who made all this doesn't need you to, because what they would do is they would have these idols and they would bring food to the idols. They still do this in these countries. And they, you know, of course, they, <laughs> the idols can't eat them. But they do it nonetheless. They do all this stuff. They come sacrifice to these idols. And he says, this unknown God, he doesn't need that. Besides, he's the one who made everything. He says, from one ancestor, one ancestor, which would be Adam, right? He made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. And he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live. He set up the world is basically what he's saying. So they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. Though indeed, he's not far from each of us. Now, He's really saying, you know, God isn't far from you. And here's the problem with, with sometimes if you go after people who are non-religious or people who are really anti-religious, stuff like that, we want to let them know how far away they are from God. Paul doesn't do that. He's saying, look, God is close to everybody if you'll just reach out to him. You know, but that, there's that deeply distressed part of us that sometimes just wants to smack people. 
And we shouldn't be smacking people. All right? Uh, and then uh, he says this to them. For, quote, in him we live and move and have our being. Now, this is a verse that is quoted often uh, in sermons and in songs, a lot of songs when I was growing up. And in him we live and move. And Anybody remember that song? Yeah. You know what? That, that's not the Bible. He's quoting from the pagans. This, this is talking, if you look it up historically, this is what they said about Zeus. Of course, we take it and we use it. Of course we can because the true God, we do have our being from him. But he says, in him we live and move and have our being, which is what they were used to hearing about Zeus. And even as some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. He's taking not verses from the Bible, which they don't understand. He finds a portion of poetry that they do understand. You know, it'd be like, I don't know what, I'm so culturally irrelevant today. I have no, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. You know, I don't even know who some of these pop stars are anymore. Seriously, I read these things. I don't, I, I don't get it. Who's that chick that did uh, the Super Bowl a few years ago saying, I kissed a girl. What's her name? Katie Perry. So I'm at somebody's house here in Green Bay and we're celebrating their birthday. I get a phone call. I step outside and this guy says, hi, this is so-and-so. I'm Katie Perry's dad. And I just wanted to call you and, and say, man, I, I love your stuff. We love watching it. So he's going on and on. He says, listen, if, if you ever want to see Katie, you know, give me a call. Uh, I can get you, you know, tickets and maybe take you backstage to meet her and stuff like that. And I, I said, man, well, thanks. I really appreciate it. That was nice, right? That's a nice thing for somebody to say. I hung up and I walked in and they looked at me. I says, Katie Perry's dad just called me. And he says, really? I said, yeah, who's Katie Perry? I, I had no idea. I didn't know what they were talking about. Well, that's how clueless I am. So I can't even come up with an example of what you could, <laughs> the best I could do is quoting a Beatles song, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like quoting the, you know, the Beatles said, all you need is love, right? And most people in that area, some of you geezers out there like me, we go, oh yeah, oh yeah, all we need is love. And then using that to talk about how we need the love of God. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, I don't know how you go from, I kiss a girl to that. I don't know, but I'm just saying that you look for something. You try and find something relevant that people can relate to and understand. And this is exactly what Paul does. So since this poet says we too are his, his offspring, and they all knew this, he said, well, since we're God's offspring, see, he uses that as a launching point. He said, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, because we're not that, right? An image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So he's saying, look, God loves you where you're at. He understands where you're at, but he's calling you to something different. He wants you to go a new direction, which is what repent means. It means to do a 180, turn and go another direction. So again, he could have easily just slammed them for being ignorant and praying to a bunch of rocks and stones. He doesn't do that. He says, I get it, but... God is calling people now to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged by in righteousness by a man, <clears throat> talking about Jesus, whom he has appointed. And, <clears throat> you know, it's about this far in every sermon I get a frog. <coughs> we were up north yesterday. There's frogs everywhere up there. I must have brought one home with me. I got to quit going up north. Anyway, I love it in, in Wisconsin. You don't add the H. It's just up north. All right. So anyway, where was I? <clears throat> um, 
Of this he has given assurance by all by raising him, talking about this man, Jesus, from the dead. <clears throat> now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some scoffed. Others said, you know, I'd like to hear more about this. So you got two different responses here. One is, you're an idiot. And they had nothing to do with it. The other response was, I'd like to know more. And then the third response, um, in verse 34, but some of them joined with Paul and became believers, <clears throat> including this Dionysius, who was an Areopagite. In other words, he's actually an official member of the uh, Areopagus. So he's a power player. So one of these major power players becomes a believer in Jesus. And a woman named Demarius and others with him. So you get the three responses, and you're going to find that in your life. You're going to find <clears throat> when you get a chance to share your faith, one, either people are just going to reject it. Probably most people will reject it. It is what it is. Uh, or some will, you know, I'd like to learn more. In which case, give them time to process. Some people need time to process stuff, uh, which is fine. And then some will actually <clears throat> respond to the message and become believers. Uh, now, jumping over to 1 Peter, the third chapter, verse 15. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And then this phrase, which is the point of our message today, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We need, are you able to do that? Do you have an answer to people? When people ask you, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you go to church? Why, why are you, you believe in Jesus? Do you, why is that? And if your response is, uh, uh, <laughs> that's not a good response. Think it through. He says that we have to be prepared, which means you have to prepare. Get ready. Always be ready. And if you haven't done it yet, you need to figure out how you're going to answer people when they ask about your faith. It doesn't mean you have to slam them. It doesn't mean you have to insult them. In fact, look what, what uh, Peter says. Uh, always be ready to give an answer, but do this with gentleness and respect. And that's a challenge, because oftentimes if you're sharing with someone who doesn't understand faith, they're probably going to look at life totally different than you. They might vote totally different than you. They might have opinions totally different than you. They might be wearing a mask when you're not wearing a mask. Whatever the deal is, it's fine. Do it with gentleness and respect. You don't have to disrespect people who disagree with you. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you. I don't know. I might be cheering on another shutdown just to hear you so loud again on a Sunday morning because so far this has been highly entertaining for me. <clears throat> Uh, you know, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. In other words, if you're so nice to people when you share your faith that when other people slam you because of your faith, those other people say, no, don't do that. They're nice people. Right? I'm good. I've gotten past the frog. Thank you for your frog conscious efforts. So do it nice so that uh, when people slander you, others will say, no, 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 they're, they're good people. We should be known as the people of love, even when we disagree with people, right? You know, and it's hard not to, right? Because when you disagree with people, <laughs> my first impulse is to punch them in the face. I'm just telling you, it is what it is. But I have to stop, stop, 
stop. And realize I need to love people. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Our calling is to share the good news of the resurrection with the world around us. And as we learn in today's lesson, to do it in a way that is respectful of those and conscious of who it is that you're talking to, which is important as a public speaker. And I speak all over the world. One of the keys to being able to do this is to know your audience. Know the people that you're talking to. Understand who it is. My presentation is different when I'm in front of a bunch of lovely heathens than (laughs) when I'm in front of a bunch of, you know, mixed color audiences full of blacks and Puerto Ricans. My favorite audience, by the way, uh, because they go nuts, you know, and and we go back and forth. Amen. Yeah, come on, tell like it is. I go nuts. I don't do that in front of a bunch of lawyers. (laughs) Come on, somebody respond. You know, so be aware of who you're talking to. Keep in mind, be gentle, respectful to them, but nonetheless, always be ready to give an answer for why you believe what you believe.